she was a human rights defender uh, who was really famous in Thailand at the time. But I, I, I didn't actually know who she was, but someone asked me to go and photograph her and I met her and it, it changed everything for me. Um, her story was she was one of the leaders of uh, an environmental group a uh, small community environmental group in, in southern Thailand who were fighting against uh, the construction of a coal-powered power plant that, that was going to be built next to their community. Um, and through just sheer determination and persistence, they actually beat the company, beat the power plant, um, and that was never uh, constructed uh, as a result. However, it came at huge personal cost to her uh, as a person. She, she had assassination attempts made against her, a four, in fact. Okay, if you haven't checked out Hybration Organics and their products online yet, oh my God, I implore you to do that right now. Pause the podcast, get over there, check it out, pick some up. They are incredible. Medicinal mushrooms, cacao and mushroom tonics, and now protein powder. I mean, I've been pretty suspect of the protein industry for some time, and now I can finally rest I can finally rest knowing that there's something out there that's clean, it's mean, it's lean muscle maximizing, and it's super tasty as well. It's unreal. So it's basically just full of high quality, high vibe ingredients, all killer, no filler. So if you want to check out these products, the protein, the medicinal mushrooms, the cacao blends, head over to hybrationorganics.com.au. And if you want to purchase some, don't forget to use the code MAPLIFE25. That's M-A-P-P-L-I-F-E. 25 and let's together continue to support small business incredible businesses as they continue to support us and our mental health our mindset and performance okay as the last couple of episodes for season one are upon us i want to thank and remind you of the incredible guests we've had so far we've had world qs surfer and founder of the good human factory cooper chapman Award-winning filmmaker Spencer Frost, lead singer of Luca Brasi, Tyler Richardson, what a legend. The world's best fast bowler, the absolute best, number one in the world, Pat Cummins, Australian Vice Captain. Award-winning music photographer Michelle Grace Hunter. We've got entrepreneur and founder of Cricket Mentoring, Tom Scolle. Tour manager for the likes of Fleetwood Mac, Childish Gambino, Crowded House, Marcus Catanzaro, again, great mate, and some incredible stories from the road. Mr. Simple's founder, Dave Fraser, Royal Ballet's Grace Carroll, world record holder and Olympic hopeful, Georgie Rowe. We had Australian all-rounder Moses Enriques go deep with us on mental health and his strategies, which was incredible. We've also had award-winning casting director of film and television, Stephanie Pringle, Sydney Dance Company's principal dancer and international renowned artist, Chloe Leon. We have former test opener and now successful entrepreneur, Ed Cowan, two-time world champion, and now Vedic meditation teacher, Tom Carroll. And we've got a couple of new ones coming up, and they're not going to let you down. Let me tell you that they are some incredible conversations from incredible people. So thank you again for tuning in, and I'm really excited and inspired for season two. So again, thank you, and here we go with this week's episode.
Okay, on today's podcast episode, we have an award-winning portrait and documentary photographer, my friend Luke Duggleby. Now, Luke is an absolute champion for mindset, for performance, and for mental health. And you'll hear in this episode the reasons why for that. You'll also be hearing about Luke's projects, massive projects. I mean, he shot for publications such as the New York Times, Al Jazeera. He shot for The Guardian. I mean, this man has exposed some of the most potent human rights violations that are on planet Earth. And he does go into the depths of those projects in this episode. As I've said, we've had to blank out a few things just to make sure that we can go live with it and get this out to you. So I really appreciate Luke for coming on board and for giving as much as he has. I mean, we spoke about things like justice, values, as I said, the strategies that he holds in terms of avoiding distractions, progress and passion, his vision for the future, his mental health, how he holds up his mental health in such adverse situations. Uh, We talk about the community versus the individual, human rights, education, and the value of human life. It's a really incredible conversation that Luke was kind enough to sit down and offer me. So I'm so stoked to be able to bring that to you guys, the Map Life family. So sit back, relax, open your ears and your hearts to this wonderful man, incredible photographer, documenter, Luke Duggleby. Always nice to see your face, always smiling. Um, how are things been, not so much just presently, but in the last probably six to 12 months, what's been on the books for you? Um, work's been interesting, actually. Uh, last year was was a really good year um, in, in many respects, but there was as one personal project that I, I began last year um, was able to get funding for. So uh, a lot of last year and this year, and indeed I'm working on it at the moment, has been based around that. And that's a project that I absolutely love. Uh, and have wanted to do for a long time. So the boring jobs that come up, the the the, the shoots that I don't necessarily want to do, I kind of just do them, get them over the way, get them out of the way, and then I've always got this to to really focus my my attention on. This is a common theme that that happens with artists, you know, of all levels. Those who are professional, all the way down to the you know the budding photographers or musicians or whatever it is. It's sometimes you've you know you've got to balance the work with with the passion or balance the work with the passion project or balance the work with the creativity. Um, how do you manage to do that and how have you managed to balance that over the period of your career? Um, I think being quite stubborn is, is one of the ways. Um, being very determined in, in what I want to achieve in my life um, and what I want to achieve in my work. Um, I, I mean, I, I love photography, but at the same time, if I didn't have the opportunity to work on my own projects, I probably wouldn't do it. You know, would I want to do headshots of uh, executives for a corporation as a full-time career? Absolutely not. So I think as long as I have a majority of personal projects and or even assignments from uh, clients that I'm really interested in, as long as that is more than the boring stuff, the tedious stuff that I don't necessarily want to do, then, then that keeps me going. Um, I think what I've found with, with age, I mean, I'm 42 now, so as I get older, 
the the space that I require personally for my personal projects is getting larger and larger. So I'm I'm, I'm kind of my whole direction at the moment now is is pushing myself towards a point where I only do the work that I want to do. Um, whether that's realistic or not, I, I don't know. But that's kind of what I'm 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 working towards at the moment. I think all budding artists want to get to a point where they can basically say that I only really do the work that I want to do, which means, you know, you've, you've at a level now that uh, I think, you know, you, if you'd look 10 years ago where you would be comfortable and happy and that you're still progressing in a direction that you want to be going. And you mentioned the word having space and the more space for your passion projects now is required. Is that because the projects are bigger, obviously through growth and progression of yourself, or is that just because you like to give yourself more space for them? I think it's a combination of both. Um, I think the the projects that I'm working on, and I, I can specifically talk about this project if you're interested to hear. Very. Um, it it requires a lot of attention, um, and it to me it's very important. I don't get it wrong. And I, I do it in the right way. So that's creating a lot of uh, need for time and space for me to think. And I don't want to get distracted by other stuff whilst doing it. Um, so that's why I try and try and minimize it. Um, but if you look, if I compare 10 years ago to here, I guess the, the difference is that 10 years ago, I was just, I was loving the fact of being, I was able to live exclusively from photography from assignments, from magazine assignments, from, from newspaper assignments, from some corporate jobs, from that type of thing. Um, I was just living, making money from doing that as a career. It's now changed. I've changed as a person. And for me, it's just not enough. Um, I, I don't want to have to do these jobs that I don't want to do anymore. Um, and my stubbornness, I've always been, since I was a kid, if, if I... If I have to do something, I've just got to try and do it. Um, so I've, I've kind of always been like that. Is the project that you're doing now, has it come to fruition because of the projects previously? Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Okay. Yeah. So if we can, let's let's just maybe go back to the integral project, the one that really started it all for you. Give us a bit of a brief history of that and then how it then progressed you into the direction or into the project now that you've, yeah, as you said, you're yeah. so passionate about. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a definitive moment. There's there's a, in fact there's a particular person that that, that made it click. Um, so, but from from starting my career, so I, I left the UK and moved to Asia basically, and I was based in China for on and off for, for probably three or four years, then moved full time to Bangkok. And around that time, uh, I was doing a lot of travel photography assignments, sort of like you know look at exotic asia you might never didn't know they did this or there's these uh, uh new places that have been discovered in inverted commas um and was doing a lot of that and then i got asked to photograph do a portrait um of a particular lady uh, a thai lady who lives in in southern thailand and and she was a human rights defender uh, who was really famous in Thailand at the time. But I, I, I didn't actually know who she was, but someone asked me to go and photograph her, and I met her. And it, 
it changed everything for me. Um, her story was she was one of the leaders of uh, an environmental group, a small community environmental group in, in southern Thailand who were fighting against uh, the construction of a coal-powered power plant that, that was going to be built next to their community. Um, and through just sheer determination and persistence, they actually beat the company, beat the power plant, um, and that was never uh, constructed uh, as a result. However, it came at huge personal cost to her uh, as a person. She, she had assassination attempts made against her, four, in fact. Um, she, she, her entire life had to change because she decided to take that path. So I sat and I listened to her, and, and she, she's got a very uh, addictive personality. Um, and I kept going back to see her. And I kept just visiting and taking pictures and photographing her struggle and uh, her life. And it kind of spread from that. She told me then that there was another guy um, who was actually killed um, protesting against uh, a cat coal-powered power plant in a, in a, a neighboring area. So I went to visit his family and his wife and learned about their struggle, their community struggle. Um, and, and that was it. It snowballed. And I, I, I became pretty obsessed uh, with the story of community groups, environmental community groups, human rights defenders in Thailand. Um, and everything sort of changed from that period. I mean, that was probably about six or seven years ago. Uh, and I pretty much... I do my job as a photographer to be able to continue documenting their stories. That's basically what I do. And so the project that I've, I've started working on last year uh, is essentially a, it's a storytelling platform which focuses solely on community, environmental groups, community groups, uh, human rights defenders within Thailand um, and tells their story and gives them a, a platform um, with a lot of visuals, a lot of photography. Uh, we're thinking about incorporating video. Um, but for this, I, I collaborate with an, an NGO, um, a human rights NGO that's actually based out of Brussels uh, in Belgium. Um, they've got an office here and we work very closely together. So hopefully we'll be, if we, we're on schedule, so we'll be launching probably February next year with this platform. Wow. Absolutely wow. So, so that's it for me. I mean, that, that, that's everything changed from her meeting. I mean, it's, it's, in my mind, it's as clear as day where, where this, this, this change came from. So the new platform, what's the end goal? Or what's, what's one of the major um, focuses that you want that platform to achieve? Well, I, th I think what one thing, uh, certainly one of the earlier inspirations of this project, um, I'm not going to give the name away yet, but uh, uh, was a, a, partly a frustration on my part from making documentaries about different communities, uh, different stories around, around Thailand. And is quite selective on what stories they publish. If there's no connection to the country, the origin of that publication, then they're less likely to be interested. I mean, of course, there are there are very good publications, The Guardian, The New York Times, Post, who who do obviously cover these stories. But sometimes, for an international audience, a small community struggle that really 
is exceedingly important to that community itself is not very important to people sitting in England or Europe or America. So I would go and document these, these people and want to tell their story and just get frustrated that I wasn't able to get it published. Um, so I just thought, well, why not create my own platform and, and publish them on that? Uh, at the same time, we're going to create a space where it's got a news section so that the communities can then report news to us. Um, whether they've got a protest coming up, whether they've been requested to visit the authorities for whatever reason, and we will post that news as we get it. So we're, we're creating a network, basically. So that's kind of the, the inspiration of behind it. Yeah, that's super powerful. I mean, it's only located at the moment or, or you've only focused on Thailand just for now. Mm-hmm. With, I mean, my brain's going, going bonkers at the moment thinking of the potential in terms of like how many small communities, indigenous communities are out there that are being ramroded or the environment is just being taken taken hostage. And as you said, yeah, the, absolutely. the stories just aren't being told because of many different reasons and most of those are very negative. Um, so yeah, why not create your own platform where you can tell the real stories, tell the real news and make a real difference, hopefully in not only in the local community in Thailand and in the local country there, but hopefully on a global scale. Yeah, well, this is it. The, the, the language will be in, in dual languages. It will, everything will be translated into Thai and English. So to be honest, it's more important that we get it right with the Thai audience. I mean, this is essentially a platform for Thailand, uh, for Thai communities, for Thai citizens to learn about the issues in their country. But we will also do it in English so that an international audience can learn. So, for example... Um, there, there was a community in southern Thailand, and they were a small community of landless farmers. Um, and they were basically fighting uh, for the right, for a community land right title. So they, were, they, they had no land. There was land that was being illegally used by a palm oil company. Um, and they wanted the rights to live there because this, the, the palm oil company was illegally occupying it. Um, when I first visited this community in 2015, it was really scary. Uh, four people have been killed in this community in total. Uh, and when I arrived, no one really knew me. I didn't have any connection. Um, and we arrived, I drove in in a pickup and there were guys dotted around us with walkie talkies and they were sussing us out. They didn't know who we were, we were strangers. Um, and I became basic, I, I, I earned their trust. Um, and I kept visiting and spending time with this community. And one thing we realized, myself and also the NGO that now I'm currently working with, that these people were totally isolated before. Um, And if a community such as this is isolated with no outside support, then basically the local, whoever is doing whatever, um, has complete power. So... Through me trying to tell their story um, and the NGO who started by um, inviting members of the UN to go down and visit the community, they invited journalists, other journalists to come down and visit the community. And it really opened up this community. Um, And it helped tremendously. They now 
have a community land rights title and and they are in an infinite better situation than what they were five years ago so this is what the the the, the platform that i'm hoping will achieve um by giving communities a space and opening them up there's a there's a big debate in the in the human rights ngo world is is how much do you expose human rights defenders um by exposing them do you make them targets um and in many countries that is the case um you know you only have to look at the figures in guatemala south america you know you are you expose you write an article about a human rights defender it gets read and then you know the the the, the numbers of killings in those countries are enormous um but in in Thailand, it seems to be slightly different, whereas it offers a sort of layer of protection. Um, and I'm all this is going. The, the Thai NGO is really the expert. I'm just following their advice on on how best to do it. But by opening up communities and making them have an active social media platform, they have websites. They they do this. Uh, it really helps here. Yeah, it, there's so much potential in what this could create in terms of, as you said, linking up some huge journalist or, or documentary filmmakers, photographers, however you'd like to put it, with these local communities. I mean, again, I've, a million questions going through the mind, but the responsibility that you have taken on, not only in your previous projects, but in this platform itself is a, is monumental because as you you mentioned the sensitivity that you must hold yourself to culturally but also to the individual in their, protecting their life is something that that you're definitely not holding on to too lightly and I and again I commend you for your work in this area it's so inspiring and as I said you know since we met a few years ago and keeping an eye on what you've been up to and, and being in touch with you on this on our socials it's it's always a welcome sight to see the things that you're up to. And my mind quickly, as you talk about these stories, my mind quickly goes to the, the amount of stories there must be out there of Big Corp just ruining and raping and pillaging villages, mm. families, homes, all for the sake of greed and the dollar. I'm just going to touch quickly on, on where we're going to with this in, with your own mental health because it, it does burden me personally and I'm not on the front line. So what do you think is the answer here? I mean, ultimately, what's the answer to, to solving these human rights issues? Uh, we're living in a broken system, in my opinion. I mean, the, the way the world is being run, the way governments are, are acting, the way corporations have complete control is completely wrong. Um, and completely unsustainable. So uh, in an idealistic world, these problems will only go away if the system is able to change, if the political system is able to change, if the, the corporations relinquish their control on, on governments. And, and um, I think problems in a country like Thailand are exacerbated because of the corruption that's involved here. Um, you know, these, these companies that come in, they're able to do what they do through largely because of corruption. Yeah. Part two of that question, which you've documented so almost poetically and, and beautifully, which something so tragic is the value of, of human life. And, um, so many unbelievable warriors down there for human rights that are doing what they can to, to support their local communities and support their people. Yet, 
in, in a similar way in perhaps in Africa where the value of human life is so small, from an outsider looking in, it just seems so easy to get rid of the problem, so to speak. So, I mean, part one of this question is how is that being dealt with where you are in terms of, you know, how do people view the human existence? And the second part of that is how do you then as an individual handle um, that on a mental health level? How do you How do you keep yourself sane and healthy in a space that doesn't value what's so valuable being with the people themselves keeps me going keeps my head in the right space um i mean these people are salt of the earth they everything they do is for the community they don't do it for themselves they don't do it for the individuals they they are in a tough situation you know, on top of these these struggles that they're fighting against, they, they also have to make a living. And the majority of them are farmers. So they have the, the stress of the, the climate changing and whether the rains are going to come or whether the seeds are going to grow and that type of thing. Yet they still fight for what they believe in. And that in itself inspires me and says to makes me say to myself, well, if they can do it, then, then, then I can do it. Well, as the final couple of episodes for season one of the Map Life podcast are upon us, uh, and I start recruiting for season two, it's been an absolute godsend to have Kingdom Coffee along for the journey. And the thing I really love is that it is relationship coffee. So basically they support the less fortunate with the profits that they make from all sales. They also home deliver, so if you're open to trying a new batch of beans, Kingdom Coffee should be the coffee you choose. Now, the best way to get involved with it is get onto their website, kingdomcoffee.com.au and use the map life code M-A-P-P-L-I-F-E 15 for 15% off all your orders. And remember to always support businesses that give back. I fell in love with this country a long time ago. Uh, I mean, I've been based here now for, for over 15 years. And, but you go out to the countryside and you go to these communities and that's where you meet the quintessential kindness that, that this area is known for. Just the most loving, giving people that you've ever met. They are the reason why I stay here. Um, so, so with this project and with the work that I do, it's essentially me giving back to people who keep me falling in love with this country. So I think you nailed it on community versus individual. And I think when, and you can see it in any community, someone who's living for their community rather than someone who's living for themselves. And you finished off the sentence there with taking the lens from self to service. And when you're in service of somebody else or, or something larger than yourself, such as your community, that's when you are giving, kind, compassionate, all these beautiful values that you talked about. But when you flip the lens and you look at what can this give me or what can I take from this, which is the individual, which again is that greed, you can understand what the underscoring foundation of community versus individual. And these people that you serve so beautifully and as I said, so poetically and so creatively in your work, they are the reason why you're you're still there after so many years and still putting yourself in inverted commas the firing line to get that shot to do what's needed for these beautiful people. 
Because it, it isn't fair. I mean, I think a, a lot of things that happen to them, it, it, yeah, it's just really not fair. And, and people look down on them and governments will treat them or companies will treat them like, you know, just uneducated. Like, oh, they don't know what they're doing and type of thing. But it's just wrong. I mean, they, they are the way we should be, basically. Um, and by telling their story, I want to remind people that. Have you always had a sense of justice? I guess so. I mean, I've always known what's right and wrong. I've, I've never, ever gone too far on things. I mean, I was very fortunate. I grew up in a very loving family. And my, my mum and dad did an amazing job with, with me and my brother um, because I'm sure it was challenging at times. I mean, it's challenging for any parent. They never judged anybody. And they taught us to be fair, to be kind to treat everybody as equal no one was better than you or worse than you yeah very formative on the way you think and sure. yeah your development in terms of your vision of the world and and what's important i mean you, you mentioned justice fairness kindness in terms of your values is what other values do you usually hold yourself to i think maybe from my upbringing and through doing this profession is that that i'm able to see both sides of every story so and this is one thing that there's a, a teacher at school that drummed this into us at school and it's never lost me it's like try to understand why people are doing why they're doing it and how do they see the world and and why is the way that they see it what what are the causes of them to have that opinion um and i always try and look for that in in people so if, if if somebody's rude or reacts in a certain way to something i mean okay it might annoy you at, at first but it's like okay well afterwards i was trying to think well why was he like that what was it that caused him or her to to be like that um and try and give people the benefit of the doubt so you know maybe he's just having a bad day or maybe you know it just it brought up bad memories or something like that I'd say that's probably one of my qualities. I really try and, and work people out first to understand where they're coming from. Completely. And I mean, there's a, the old saying, that, you know, the quickest way to victory is to understand your enemy. We're not talking about victory over somebody, but, um, but to understand their position, their perspective, and to gain a greater perspective of, of the whole, you need to understand both sides of the story. And then to have no cognitive bias or no bias at all. And once you understand both sides, you can make a greater judgment or a greater decision or greater choice based on your knowledge. If that's at the foundation of who you are, along with compassion, along with kindness, along with justice and being non-judgmental, like we touched on the community versus individual approach or if having a community focus, I think very, very core values. And you can see that in the work you do. And this is kind of why I brought it up because I think when you talk about projects, when young creatives need to decide on the projects that they're going to choose to put their time, effort, love, money, energy into, it has to come from a place of personal value. It has to align with your values. Otherwise, when it, when the shit gets tough and you're working 20-hour days and, and as you said, you know, seemingly getting bullets shot at you, you know, from, from doing what you love to do, unless it's aligned with who you are, it's going to be a lot easier to put down and just go, you know what, this is getting too hard. And I think I think one one other thing that, that that people really need to 
work on um and certainly it's one one thing I, I definitely try to do myself is 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 admit when you're wrong you know I, I think one of the problems especially at the moment is you see all these world leaders and i think this has become a growing trend in in for humans is that people just don't admit when they're wrong and can really solve a lot of problems you know yeah i completely agree it's taking responsibility for yourself for your actions your choices and then that responsibility equals maturity. It just shows you a sign of your maturity. If you, if you can't put your hand up and say, you know what, I got that one wrong, apologize, move on, fix it. If you can't do that, it just shows your immaturity, in my opinion. And again, I completely agree with you. So, you know, if you had a, a group of young photographers, young creatives just sitting around and you were giving them some mentorship, what are some of the things that you might say to focus on when they're choosing their projects? I'd ask them, what do they want to achieve with... Firstly, their projects, but also in terms of their career. I mean, what do you want to be remembered for? What gives you a, uh, a meaning in your photography? Um, and I'd advise them to, to focus on exactly what you, you said earlier, is just focus on projects that, that really have a meaning to them personally. There's a, a very good example as a, a young Thai photographer in his early 20s, and I met him um, in northeast Thailand uh, last year. And he was running around, he was, he was doing video and he was doing photography, um, and he was working his ass off. And it was a community that was about to be evicted. We were waiting for the, the authorities to come. Fortunately, they never got evicted, but everybody was there. We were waiting for them to come. He was documenting it and he just really caught my eye. You know, we got talking and after we talked uh, and the more we talked, it, it, came, it came out that, that he, his family had been victims of forced eviction when he was a little child. So he distinctively remembers. And now he's photographing and documenting another area that is being forcibly evicted. Um, and that's all he wants to do. And that's why he's doing it. And I think for him, he will become very successful because he, he knows what he wants to do. So focus like that, but also really work hard on certain projects. The best projects aren't the ones that you sell the most or, or that you publish in the most places. The best projects are the ones where you keep going back to them year after year and you build up this incredible body of work that, that whether you publish it or not, that doesn't really matter, but it's, it's how it makes you feel for producing it and whilst you produce it. Yeah, 100%. I mean, the amount of artists that I talk to in terms of their, you know, their most prolific work isn't necessarily the work they're most attached to. To not make or create for, you know, the public or create for others is to create for the self what you're emotionally connected to. So like you said, what is it you want to achieve? What is it that has, has great meaning to you? And what kind of legacy do you want to leave with your project or with your craft? Three nuggets and three questions that people should always ask, I think, and I think you articulated them perfectly in terms of their why, why are they doing something? And then therefore they can make a much more in tune or aligned decision with the projects that they're going to, to choose. Because I mean, as I've said with your projects in the past and with what we've really discovered here today is that your values are so enriched in what you do. You can see the reason for your success and that's not the reason you do it for the TED Talks or for the whatever. 
it's as you said, it's to see the smile on the community's faces when you get to go and spend time with them because of the work you're doing and and the impact that you know on an internal level that you're having with these people, all the time and effort, love and energy that you spend is contributing to that smile. And I think that's so powerful on a, both a personal and professional level. That's what inspires me about what you're doing. And, and artists like yourself, are, it, that's the part that really inspires me, that it comes from a place so deep within that, that you can only see it aligning with who they are as an individual. Well, summer's definitely here and the boards are getting a good workout and the need to keep them in good condition and off the garage floor or the sunroom floor and to keep it clean is paramount. Now, Board Racks is the solution to that problem, that very problem. So if you're looking for a product that looks after your boards, all kinds of boards, whether it's snow, skate, surf, sup, whatever, he's going to basically have a board rack that is going to be able to suit you and your room. And the best way to get your hands on it is to use the MapLife code. That's M-A-P-P-L-I-F-E at checkout. And you'll get a 10% discount on any rack that you buy. So head over to BoardRacks, that's www.boardrax.com.au and use the code MAPLIFE at checkout. In terms of craft, which I think we just quickly touched on, is there anything, again, that you would say to some of these young guys or girls out there that are aspiring to document or to shoot portrait? Um, Is there any craft mentorship or guidance that you might or strategies that you might offer in terms of gear or how-tos practice as much as you can before you're put in a situation where you actually need to to use it if somebody asks you to do a, a portrait shoot you research who is the person that i'm photographing what are they about what do they like to do what personality do they have so then you can create an, a, an image that, that represents that person. And then once you've come up with an idea of how to shoot it, set up the mini studio in your room or go out on location and find a similar uh, environment where you think you want to do it. Bring your mate along, do test shoots. Test it, test it, test it until you have something that's perfect, in your opinion. And then when you're ready to go into the shoot, for real, you're totally prepared and you totally have a vision of of what you're going to do. I've done portraits uh, for for magazines and sometimes you get five minutes with that person. And whether you nail the shot or not is, is... an indication on how successful you'll be in your career. If you nail it in five minutes, then that publication will use you again. If you get stressed and you mess it up because you're not prepared, then you won't get another job. Um, And I think that photography today has become so cutthroat in a way that there's just so many people wanting to do it and there are so many people doing it and because budgets particularly within the media have dropped so much publications just simply don't have the resources to take on you again if you mess up um so just be prepared and research 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 it's also to me it's all in the research and the background like you said, the preparation phase of either an on-site or an assignment 
where you're going, um, as you said, into remote jungles or you're going wherever you're going, that the preparation phase, the pre-production phase is if not the most important phase, because they're such dynamic environments. It's like being involved in the classroom of kids. It's like anything can happen. That if you have your shit together and you know what you're doing, basically gone over every scenario that can possibly happen, you know your gear, you know the shot you want. Ultimately, you know, you've given yourself the greatest opportunity to grab that shot. And the the thing that I absolutely adore about photography, and I'm, and I'm sure you're the same, is that you're capturing a moment in time that will never happen again. So if you're on the spot to capture that moment and you are prepared to do it and you do it, there's this little almost symbiosis with whatever this is, the governing laws of what we're doing that you touch and tap into that so beautifully. But it's the same thing as if you're not prepared and you miss it. Those little misses, you know, can accumulate it and cause mental health Mm. regret down the road. So preparation is ultimately the key. Know your gear, know who you're shooting, know what you want to get. That whole preparation phase is so important. And the reason, again, I'm harping very heavily on this is because the strategies that you've brought up here today in this conversation have been fantastic, which is have a vision, um, make sure the majority of the work you're doing is solely from the passion sense. It's passionate. Focus on progress and growth. Make sure you have an empathy or a feel for the people or the or the subject that you're shooting. Avoid distractions. Be stubborn in a good way, in a positive way. Make sure you stay dedicated to what you're doing. And as we said, prepare, prepare, prepare. Do you like that? <laughs> couldn't, couldn't have put it better myself. Well, if I, I didn't put already. it better myself. You put it better than me. That's why you're doing these podcasts and I'm not. <laughs> Mate, that was unreal. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, that was great. But I was just also going to say that I think one thing that being a little bit older now and growing up in a different time to the generation that's growing up now, I think younger guys today need to slow down. There's this frenetic rush to do everything and get everything done. And especially I've seen in photography, you get new guys coming in and there's so many competitions petitions out there that, that you submit you they all want to rush to become the name they all want to sort of jump in and win an award and, and and get elevated to the to the name and to me photography is not like that it's not about that it, it, it it's a life spanning choice where you work at it and you improve on it and you just continuously trying to better yourself rather than just suddenly rushing and trying to get to the top. I, I think that's really important advice because I've seen a lot of young guys and coming into the industry and the talent pool at the moment is, is incredible. I mean, there's so many good people, but there's also this sort of need for glory that's really crept into the industry. And, and I, I think, you know, for, for any artist, it's all about sustainability. Do you want to be in this for the long term or do you just want to rush in, grab the gold and then drop out? And I, I, think, it, I think that's a, uh, an important point to, to mention. Yeah, what, I'm a thousand percent behind that. And it's not about the likes. It's not about the amount of publicity that you're going to get from it. It's a, as you said, it, it's about a piece of art that comes from the heart. And I always liken things to a climbing a mountain. It's like... If you're at the start of your career, you know, you've just bought your first camera and you can compose a shot, 
you know, it's the same as a climber. If you've, you know, you got your backpack, they threw you up to the last push on Everest. The, the likelihood of you getting to the top of the summit of that mountain is less than 1%, probably less than that, because you need to have done the preparation. You need to acclimatize. You need to make sure that you know, you know, as you said, different steps along the way. As you hit those stages, it, everything works in stages. And if you're basically just chucked to the top, then like I said, without the skills, without the ability, you're not going to stay there. And that sustainability is not going to occur. You're going to be a flash in the pan, if at all. And I, I look back when I was at university, I did a degree in photography. I was shit. I've always been quite self-critical of my work. Um, I think you have to be. I, you know, I, I think a lot of photographers I know, they, they hate one the work that they do, even though everyone looks at it and goes, well, that's amazing. But, you know, it can always be better. But for it to always get better and be better, you've just got to keep working and working and working. Anything that you're putting your heart, your soul, and your mind into, anything that can inspire you on that level is something that you should dedicate your time to. Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. We've had a lot of fun. Um, and as I said, the the work that you do is is just monumentally important, not only for Thailand, but I think as this platform starts to you know gain some traction, I think on a global scale, I think this thing's going to really support a numerous amount of people. And Godspeed, my friend. Thank you very much. And thank you for asking me to do it. Well, what an incredible man to dedicate your life to an undertaking of such magnitude. It's a true David versus Goliath story. And um, except in this case, David has the heart the size of Goliath. And I'm truly honored to be able to have a conversation with you and to pass that on to the MapLife family. And if you want to follow Luke's story or his continual projects that he will be releasing in 2021, you can follow him at Luke Duggleby Photo on Instagram or get him on his website, www.lukedougleby.com. That's L-U-K-E-D-U-G-G-L-E-B-Y.com. And as 2020 comes to a close, so does season one of the Map Life podcast. And we're going to be drawing the prize pack. Now, in that prize pack, we've got our sponsors giving up some incredible, incredible products. Here they are. Hybration, giving us the High Vibe Trio, the Focus Flow Blend, the Ink and Warrior Blend, and the Deep Calm Blend. So all three coming to you. We've also got Kingdom Roasters giving us a V60 coffee maker and a 500 gram bag of beans. Beautiful. That's going to get your day started. We've got Board Racks, a four-board freestanding rack that's handmade. Aussie Timber, shipped to your house. And as we've said in the ads before, they are just top of the range. And in addition, Mr. Simple have come on board for this prize pack and given us a $300 online store voucher for you to use on their incredible, sustainable clothing. So that prize pack, ready to go. It's going to go off in the next couple of weeks. As I said, as 2020 comes to the close. So to go into the draw, subscribe and review the Map Live podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And at the moment for extra entry or entries, if you share an episode, your favorite episode, it could be any of the ones we've previously mentioned on Instagram and tag Map Life, you get an extra entry into that prize pack, which will be drawn at the start of 2021. Now, good luck. And I love you all. Thank you so much for your support and keep tuning in and absorbing the insights for mindset, performance and mental health from all the fantastic guests coming up 
in Season 2. Today's episode was produced by Motivation and Performance Partners. Mindset and Performance Coaching, Building Better Athletes, Artists and Leaders. If you believe you're capable of more, come check us out. www.maplife.com that's M-A-P-P-L-I-F-E dot com.